New Hope Church. I hope you are doing great on this glorious Sunday morning. Welcome to the church. And once again, we are here to celebrate life change. And I am talking about this lovely group of women here. It is a mother and a daughter. This is Michelle and this is Sharice. And uh, they are originally from Buffalo, New York. And uh, I have told them this morning, welcome to the southern part of heaven. And they love it here. They've been here a while. And here's the cool thing about this couple. And I think this is really going to minister to some of you uh, folks who are praying for your moms and your dads and your aunts and your uncles. Uh, Cherise has been coming here a while and she recently invited her mom, Michelle, and uh, they have come and they are experiencing the favor and the blessings of God and they have decided together to get baptized to declare their faith and their proclamation of the gospel and to celebrate what he has done in their lives recently and what they are trusting that he is going to do in the future. So we are just so honored uh, to celebrate this moment. You can see the joy of the Lord all over their face. Uh, so I'm gonna ask you guys a question, and I know the answer, but I'm gonna go ahead and ask it anyway. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and do you promise to trust Him and follow Him all the days of your life? Do you, Michelle? Yes. Sharice, do you? Yes! <laughs> Praise God. Okay, then uh, Michelle, if you want to cover your nose, you can. It is my honor to baptize you. Come on, church, with me in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Give it up, church. Cherise, it is my joy and my privilege to baptize you, sister, woman of God, with your mother. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Come on, church. Come on, church. Praise God, that is so awesome. Hey, church, just before we get into the Word today, I wanted to celebrate something with you. Do you know that last Sunday, this is absolutely amazing, we collected 23 thousand pounds of clothes to give to those folks in and around our campuses who needed clothes. 23,000 pounds. I still can't believe it. Unbelievable. Way to go, church. I'm so proud of you. Hey, two weeks from today, you know, next Sunday's Mother's Day. It's going to be an incredible day. Two weeks from today, the following Sunday, I'm starting a brand new sermon series called Mindset. Change the way you think change the way you live mindset haven't been this excited about a series in a long time really fired up about it and lastly you know that Clayton King is in the house he is an amazing man of God humble man of God faithful biblical teacher one of the best communicators of the gospel that I know he is a dear dear friend of mine he pastors a church down in Greenville South Carolina called New Spring they have all kinds of campuses he's also the founder of Clayton King Ministries and he is just being used all over this globe for the gospel and we get the awesome privilege of having him bring the word today. So New Hope, you know what to do. Show honor where honor is due and welcome Clayton King to the stage today. What's up New Hope? Wow. What's up New Hope? Good morning. It's great to be in the house of God with the people of God. I'm about to preach the word of God. We're going to experience the joy of God. Y'all are clapping. I haven't even preached yet. What is going on? You don't know if I'm any good or not. Have a seat. Have a seat. Oh, y'all are my kind of people. Let me tell you. Somebody's excited about being in God's house today. Well, I want to bring you greetings from the other Carolina, the one south of you, South Carolina, home of the Clemson Tigers. Come on, somebody. 
One of the things, so don't you boo in Jesus' name. I'll rebuke you from this stage. <laughs> Pastor Benji Kelly has become uh, fastly one of my best friends in the world, and I think one of the reasons why Pastor Benji and I have connected so well, I am adopted, and I found out about a year and a half ago where I came from. I didn't know until I was 47 years old where my father and my mother were from, and it turns out my biological dad was from Sumter, South Carolina, and I have a brother and a sister who still live in Sumter, and that's where Pastor Benji is from, and so when we get together, we're like gas and a match. Come on, somebody. I, uh, I had the great privilege of having dinner with Pastor Benji and two of his boys last night, and I told them at dinner last night, I would have driven the 10-hour round trip from Anderson, South Carolina, just to have supper with Benji and his two teenage boys, because his two sons are identical ages of my two teenage boys, and I'm just thankful that I realized my two teenage boys are not the only two teenage boys who mock and ridicule their father every five seconds in a loving and Christ-like and honoring way. I felt like I was at home. My boys are 18 and 15. Jacob is my 18-year-old. He's called to preach the gospel. He was called at age 16. He's seen over 200 salvations since January, and the kid is still a senior in high school. I'm living the dream right now. My... Uh, my 15-year-old son, Jojo, is six foot three. He's a freshman. He's now that much taller than me, but I don't have any hair, and that's what I'm blaming it on. And he can dunk a basketball, and he loves Jesus, and he loves his mama, and he loves the Bible, and he loves church, and he loves football, and he loves the Dallas Cowboys. And so we're praying for him and my family as we pull for another good year that won't happen as Cowboys fans. And then my wife, Shari, she's been here with me before. She'll be preaching here in a couple of months on a Sunday. Uh, we did the marriage conference last year. How many of you were here last February for the marriage conference right before the world shut down? Can you remember that? It's good to be back with you good folks here at New Hope. And I wanna say hello to all of our folks in our other campuses, Garner, Sanford, Hillsboro, Kenya. By the way, for our Kenya campus, I lived in Kenya for a semester in college. Marembe, mono, 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 jambo sana. And that's all I know in Swahili anymore. But it's good to have all of you, and especially our online campus, welcome today, and right here in Durham. It's good to be in the house. I've only got two and a half hours to preach this message, so I probably better get started. As Pastor Benji said, my name is Clayton King, and I love to preach the Word of God. And I'm honored today to take us to Luke chapter 2 in our series, This is for Everyone. And I want to give all of you permission. Today I was raised Baptist, Pentecostal, Charismatic, and Presbyterian. So I want you to talk back to me. I know y'all can talk back. I've been watching y'all worship. I know what y'all got here in this house. So talk back to me. If it's good, you can say amen. You can say, mm, preacher, preach. You can say, let the wild hog eat. You can say whatever it is that you feel like the Holy Spirit wants you to say. Uh, when Pastor Benji gave me the topic today, and I knew the series that you were in. I went back and watched some of the messages from this series, and I want you to know, nothing fires me up more than preaching a message about how the gospel of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God is the most, and here's a word I wanna say, inclusive thing on planet Earth. 
You cannot go anywhere in any country on any continent and find an organization or an entity that is as inclusive as the church of Jesus Christ. And let me say this as a 48-year-old, tall, bald, white guy, the church of Jesus Christ is not an American invention just for a certain type of person. Jesus Christ was a brown-skinned Jew who preached a message that was for Gentiles and Samaritans and Jews. And the reason why the church of Jesus Christ grew like it did in the first century is because every other nation and tribe and people group was sequestered in their own little groups. And here comes a brown-skinned Jew named Jesus who says, I've come to bring you a kingdom that ain't about skin color or socioeconomic class. I've come to preach a message that elevates women to the same place of value as men. I have come to tell you that children are not to be seen and not heard. They have value. That's why I say, let the little children come to me and do not deny them. And so, in my introduction, I might start speaking in tongues and running laps around this church because I believe with all of my heart that it is not a government, it is not an elected official, it's not Biden, it's not Trump, it wasn't Obama, it wasn't Bush, it wasn't George Washington. It is Jesus Christ that gives hope to our world. Somebody needs to shout, my God. We have got the best news on the planet. God Almighty, I told you I like this place. Luke chapter two. We're gonna have some fun in the next few minutes. We're gonna have Christmas in June right now. Y'all ready? If you grew up watching the Charlie Brown Christmas special, you know this story. Here it is, Luke chapter two. I'm gonna read it. It'll be up on the screens for you at all of our campuses. And this is what the Bible says when the uh, birth of Jesus is strangely announced by angels to a curious group of men just known as the shepherds. We're gonna give you some context here in a minute. Verse six, Luke chapter two, beginning in verse eight, rather. In the same region, Shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Pause, keep that verse up there for a moment. Shepherds were staying out in the fields. A little context about shepherds. The title of this message, if you're taking notes, is simply called The Last and the Least. Amen. The Last and the Least. Because when it came to the social fabric of ancient Israel in the first century, when it came to the economic classes, the, the, the social ladder, when it came to, to thinking of people in context of their income and where they lived and the clothes they wore, shepherds were literally at the bottom of the pecking order. They were distrusted because many of them were dishonest. Shepherds typically were hired hands. They were seasonal workers. 
They would move from farm to farm, from region to region, from Galilee to Judea, from Judea to the outskirts of Samaria, and then back to Galilee. And they were paid by landowners who were wealthy to take care of their sheep. And, and there are writings you can find historically about shepherds being notorious for stealing sheep and selling them to other people and pocketing the money, taking somebody's possession that they had been paid to protect, and then stealing it, giving it away to someone else and putting the money in their own pockets. Shepherds were also, get this, considered unclean. Now, we don't understand that in American context the way they did in the first century, but in the first century for a Jew, everything was about being clean. You had to wash your hands before a meal. You, you couldn't walk on Samaritan ground. You could not touch a, a cup or a plate that a Gentile had touched. You could not eat with a non-Jew. You certainly could not marry a non-Jew. Gentiles could go into the outer courts of the temple, but they could not go into the holy place. Definitely not the holy of holies. Only one man could do that. And so being clean was everything for a Jew. Shepherds were not clean. Why? Because they lived out in fields. They didn't live indoors. That's what the verse says. They lived out in fields. They also touched sheep all the time. So they were ceremonially unclean. Shepherds were not allowed, in many cases, to even go and give sacrifice in the temple. I wanna set this up for all of our campuses today because I want you to see the scandal of what God is doing here. I want you to see how crazy it is that the, some of the first people that ever got an announcement about the birth of Jesus were those who could not go to the temple to worship God. So since the shepherds could not go to the temple and worship God, God just decided to bring the temple to them. All right, so that's my first verse. I better pick up the pace or I will not finish until Tuesday. Verse nine. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Leave that up there for a second. They were terrified. I wanna, bro, I wanna bring a, a point to our, to our perspective right now. We are living in a world in America right now where people are scared. And fear is not always a bad thing. I'm afraid of some things. I'm afraid of clowns. I think they eat children. I'm scared to death of clowns. I saw a movie as a kid with a clown and that was it. I was done. I'm scared of spiders. They were invented by Satan to terrorize me. I am scared of them. I'll pick up a snake, but you put a spider on me, I'll punch you in the mouth. I won't mean to. I'll have to repent, but I am scared to death of them. There are good things to be afraid of. You should be afraid of heights. You should be afraid of poison. You should take precautions when a worldwide pandemic breaks out. There are things that we should be afraid of, but fear is not of God. I want you to see this. These angels were terrified because they didn't understand what God was doing. What I hope I can help us see today is there are people outside the four walls of the church and our church who don't really understand why we do what we do or who God is, and you know what they're scared of? They're they're scared of us. They're scared of God. They're scared of religion. They're scared of rules that they know they've broken. It's our great joy to tell people who are terrified because they're confused about who God is, that God is not mad at them, that God loves them, that God sent Jesus to die for them, that Jesus said in John 3, 17, the son of man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. People might be afraid of religion, but they don't have to be afraid of Jesus if we will bridge the gap and show them that Jesus Jesus is for them. I'm preaching good. Is anybody gonna say amen right now? Oh my goodness. I believe this with all of my heart. They were terrified. They were terrified. And it says, but the angel, this is verse 10, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid. 
It is our great joy as Christians to tell the world there's a lot of bad stuff happening in our country. There's a lot of stuff happening in our world that's terrible. But you don't have to be afraid because you can know a God who exists outside of space and time. You can have a relationship with Jesus who gave his life for you and poured out his blood to give you peace and joy and happiness and to give you hope for a future and assurance of pardon of your sin. You can belong to a family where black people and white people, Latinos and Asian Americans and, and gay people and straight people and bi people can all be welcomed in because we all know that we're all sinners. And, and while I'm on it, let me offend somebody right now. I don't wanna offend anybody. I just wanna speak life. I wanna speak joy. I do believe in sin and I believe we need to call it sin. We don't have issues. This is not a magazine subscription we're talking about. We don't have issues, we have sins. And so I wanna make sure that when I'm preaching about certain kinds of sins that I don't struggle with, that I'm making sure I take the log out of my own eye as a pastor, as a husband, as a daddy, as a believer. So, so that's what I love about the church is the church is inclusive of all sinners. The gay ones, the straight ones, the bisexual ones, the black ones, the white ones, the mixed race ones, the liberals, the moderates, the Democrats, the Republicans. Everybody's welcome here because we're all jacked up. I might not know your business, but somebody does. And at least Jesus, I know Jesus does. How crazy Jesus knows all your business and all my craziness and still loves me. For that reason alone, I'm a Christian. For that reason alone. Okay, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you three words I wanna focus on here. Good news of great joy that will be for all people. Leave it there for a second. Good, great, all. Good news. The good news of the gospel is what we have to give to the world. Now, I'm a pastor at a large church in South Carolina, very similar to New Hope, called New Spring. We're all about being new in the kingdom of God. And I love everything that we do as a church. Your church is excellent. By the way, there is such a value on excellence. The, the music today, the worship is excellent. Your volunteers, we had the huddle beforehand. Pastor Benji gave a word, and then Keegan here at this campus gave a word today. It was excellent. I was even telling the crew, when I pulled in the parking lot at 732 this morning at the Durham campus. I felt like I was pulling into the Garden of Eden. Mario and whoever else makes these grounds. I believe his name is Mario. He's going to be here. I want to meet this guy. It's like heaven on earth. I mean, the flowers, the trees, the lines on the sidewalk. You've got a heated pool out front where you baptize people. I wanted to jump in it. I was so, so excited about that. There is so much to be said about doing things with excellence because our God is good we should do things with great value for excellence. So everything that we do, from the greeter to the people that volunteer in the kids' ministry to the people that vacuum the, the, the carpets when we all leave, all of this is for the sake of people, all people having access to God, all people being welcomed. 
That one person that greets, that one person that says hello, that one grandma. As a matter of fact, I prayed it today in the lobby. Somebody's gonna show up at a New Hope campus today whose grandma has been praying for them for 32 years and he doesn't know why he's coming to church today, but God been hearing grandma's prayers for three decades and he woke up and said, I gotta go to church today and that guy might get saved today at New Hope Church and he'll give his life to Jesus and if we are a church for all people, that guy will come and be welcome. This is the heart of the gospel. It's what the angel said to the shepherds. I've got good news for you. This is for all people. Verse 11, today in the city of David, a savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and and lying in a manger. And then suddenly, verse 13, There was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and and peace on earth to people he favors. And when the angels had, had left them and returned to heaven, watch what the shepherds did. The shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off, then they found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing them, this is so good, they reported the message they were told about this child. I'm gonna come back to that. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds then returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Can I point out four things here and then leave you with a question? Number one, the last people we would expect God to use were the first people God picked. The last people we would expect were the first people God picked. Shepherds didn't get special envoys to declare news to them. They didn't have a a, a direct feed to the news desk at CNN or Fox. Shepherds lived out in the middle of nowhere on the outskirts of town. They stunk, they were dirty. They hung out with sheep. They spent time outside. They were unclean. But what did God do? God decided, I'm gonna set the tone for this message my son's bringing. I'm gonna let the world know that I care about the unseen. I care about the marginalized. I care about the kid who always got picked last at recess. I care about the girl who sits by herself at the lunch table at your high school, dressed in all black, and nobody wants to talk to her. And there are rumors that she might be weird, that she might be into the occult, and nobody talks to her. I care about her. I care about the migrant worker, legal or illegal. I care about them. I care about the single mom who's working three jobs and gotta catch the bus to go make minimum wage at a fast food joint. She's got three kids and she didn't have an abortion when everybody was telling her that she should. She gave birth to that baby and now she's working three jobs to take care of three kids. I care about her. I care about the man who is struggling with addiction. I care about the man who is hiding his depression. I care about the rich business owner who looks like he's got it all together on the outside, but on the inside he drinks himself to sleep every night and is contemplated taking his own life. That is who the gospel is for. This is for everyone. The last people 
the last people we would have ever picked would have been shepherds. But what, what God knew is that shepherds had a really great network of communication among themselves because they traveled because they made inroads into communities, because they moved around, they could spread news when they heard news. See, God, God, God sees ordinary people with extraordinary purpose. Yes. God sees ordinary people. And can I, I, I love you all the way in Kenya. I love you watching online. I love you, but I'm gonna tell you something. I've met some famous people in my life. Everybody's just ordinary. Everybody. We're normal people. You know, famous rich people can get COVID just like normal people. Actors and actresses, politicians, athletes can get COVID just like everybody. You cut us all and we all bleed the same color blood. God sees ordinary people just like you and just like me and the extraordinary purpose that we have. The shepherds really looked like they only had one skill, taking care of sheep. But we know, even from the life of King David from the Old Testament, shepherds had way more skill than most people realized. They had to be able to find water for sheep. They had to be able to find grass and a place for the sheep to graze. They had to know every trail. They had to know every dangerous place. You know, sheep are some of the dumbest animals in the animal kingdom, which is so funny that, that we are called the sheep of his pasture. <laughs> Thank God's got a sense of humor. Sheep really are. They're just not very bright. I mean, I've got a, I've got a little dog named Theo, and this is, a, this is a confession, not a testimony. I've got a 12-pound white toy poodle named Theo that lives in the house. And it's one of the many things I said before I got married that I would never do that I have now done. I said, I will never have an indoor animal. I will never have a small dog. If I have a dog, he's gotta be big enough to eat other people's dogs. I used to say that. And then I got married, and now all the things I said I would never do, like own a minivan, yep, had a minivan, Chrysler Town and Country. You know, I will never ever wear flip-flops with dark socks. Yep, sometimes I do because it's just easier to go to the grocery store with what I currently have on than change. Lots of things I said I would never do. This, this little dog, like he is so smart he's a human being and then I'll, he literally is he's like one of the family and then I go on YouTube and I watch videos of sheep did you know that one sheep in a herd of sheep can get spooked for no reason take off running and all the other sheep will follow that one sheep they don't even know why they're running it's like mass chaos it's like group fear and they will literally run off the edge of a cliff to their doom you know, for sheep to survive, they have no natural defenses. You ever seen sheep fight? Nope. They don't have sharp teeth. They don't have sharp claws. <laughs> they have no weapons. That, that, they're susceptible to thieves. They're susceptible to wolves. They're susceptible to predators. So you know what sheep need to live? Shepherds. Sheep without a shepherd gonna die. Sheep need a fence. Sheep need to be told where to go. They need to be led. They need to be shepherded. And these shepherds, man, these were, these were hardworking guys. I'm talking blue collar, and I grew up in a blue collar family. My dad was a farmer and worked in an electric motor repair shop. And I can remember to the day my dad died, I can remember the calluses on his hands. These shepherds knew what it was like to work. And, and whereas everybody else would have said these shepherds are unclean, Nobody gonna trust them. They don't belong. You know what God saw? The potential of their purpose. 
He knew that he could send angels to go tell the shepherds that the Messiah had come and these shepherds who had never had a chance to go to the temple to give sacrifice or worship would have been the first ones chomping at the bit to go worship the Messiah. Let's not assume that outsiders don't wanna become insiders. Quit saying no for people. Quit assuming the worst and begin to believe the best about people that don't yet know Jesus. Even statistics prove that if you invite somebody to church three times on the third time, they'll say yes. Takes three times. We quit after the first time. Well, I asked them and they, and they didn't look excited and I don't wanna hurt anybody's feelings and I don't wanna feel like a failure. Hey, ask again. And if they say no a second time, you only got one more time before statistically they say yes. Some of y'all are like, I can't do this. Yes, you can. We are Americans, not Americans, okay? <laughs> I'm telling you. And even my brothers and sisters in Kenya, you can do this too. You're, you're Ken Cans. I don't even know what I'm talking about now. I'm just making stuff up because I'm excited. Just keep asking. We say no for people because we assume, man, they, they grew up Catholic. They won't like our church because the worship is different. Oh, they, they, they didn't go to church growing up. I work with them. I hear, I hear them cuss. They drop F-bombs all the time. You think God's never heard the F word before? He hears it all the time. He hears everything. He really does. These, they would never come to church because... I hear their, their views on religion when they talk at break or, or when we're out on the job site. Quit saying no for people. They have purpose and potential and who knows, they get saved, they might become the greatest witness of the gospel. Because you know what the shepherds did? They got the message and they went straight to Bethlehem and they found Jesus and they worshiped him because they had been included. Don't miss this, number three. The kingdom is not a club you pay to join. It's a family you're invited into. It's a family you're invited into. I've been to 50 countries, not 15, 50, 5-0, 50. And as I've traveled all over the world, there is, there is no entity, there is no organization, there is no business. There is nothing that transcends every unique difference between human beings. There's nothing that crosses borders like the church. There is no message like the hope of the gospel of the resurrection of Jesus that unifies and unites people from different ethnic backgrounds who speak different languages, who eat different foods, who wear different clothes. There is nothing in the history of the human race that has the power to unite people like the gospel of Jesus Christ unites people. I have had communion in Uganda under an acacia tree with chai and Ugali. I have been in a basement in a closed Muslim country watching Christians read pages from the Bible that they hand copied because they can't have one themselves because if they get caught with it, they'll be shot in the streets. I have watched people baptize in bathtubs. I've watched people baptize in creeks in Kenya. I have seen God save people in countries that I can't even name for the sake of missionaries that don't wanna get caught, I'm telling you, this is the power of God unleashed on the earth. The kingdom of God is not something you pay to get into. You don't join this club. 
You're invited into this family. And can I speak a prophetic word in the handful of minutes I've got left? If the pandemic that we are still experiencing on the tail end of it, if this worldwide pandemic has done anything, it has pruned the church. What does Jesus say about his heavenly father? He calls him, of all things God has called, this is the most curious, the gardener. In John's gospel, he talks about how the gardener prunes the vine. And every branch that does not bear fruit is thrown aside, and every branch that does bear fruit will abide. I am so thankful for what Jesus is doing in the church right now. He's pruning us for fruitfulness. He's not punishing us. He's pruning us. Why? Because the fields are ripe for harvest and the workers are few. And so the kingdom is a family we get to invite people into. Can, for someone like the shepherds who always felt isolated and, and excluded, do you know how valued it made them feel that God sent angels to invite them to go worship the Savior? There are probably people surrounding you and me every single day. They don't think they'd be welcome to church. They don't think they'd fit in. They wouldn't know how to do it. They don't know how to dress. They don't know, do you kneel? Do you stand up? Do you cross yourself? They, don't, they have no clue. You know what you and I get to do? We get to invite them into the family. And we don't just get to point to them and say, it's over there, go. We get to say, no, I'm a part of this family too. Come with me. Sit with me. I'll pick you up. I'll buy your lunch. We'll go get coffee. You can come to my house afterwards. I look, it's not gonna be weird. I, I'm not even gonna push you. I just want you to come. I love you. This is my family. And my family got some crazy uncles in it, <laughs> like every family. And we're not perfect, but I want you to come and see what a real family's like. You know why this is a, a powerful story? And you know, and you know why, why for this message, it's, it's so important? Here's why. Because sometimes the best sinners are often the greatest evangelists. Because we have been forgiven of much, we love much. Because we have been touched greatly and deeply by the grace of God, we know what it's like. We've tasted the things of the world and we know they don't satisfy, so we know the things of God do. The greatest sinners are sometimes the greatest evangelists and that is the point of the shepherds. The shepherds, notorious criminals, thieves, extortionists, Dirty, filthy, unclean. And what do they do? They go and tell people that they have seen the Messiah after seeing them. It says this in verse 18, or verse 17. They, they reported the message they were told about this child and everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds had told them. Isn't that cool? The shepherds went and seen Jesus. They, they worship him. We don't know what all happened there, but they go back to their job and they tell everybody. Why? They had a network. That's the thing I love about sinners. Most sinners know a bunch of other sinners. And you know who the church is for? The church is for sinners. The church is for the broken and the busted. The church is for people who have been hurt and abused. The church is for folks who, who have tried it in life and it hasn't worked out. It's for people who have gone bankrupt. It's for people who are divorced. It's for single people and married people. It's for people who, who are deconstructing their faith. It's for people that were raised in church and don't like it anymore. And people like me who were raised in church and still love it. The church is for everybody. This is for everyone. And so you never know, the notorious sinners might be the best people to go out there because they speak the language. They understand lost people. I've been a Christian for 35 years. If I'm not careful, I can insulate myself in a church bubble. Mm. If I'm not careful, I won't know any lost people. 
You know where I do ministry? Of course I do it at my church and through our nonprofit at Crossroads. But you know where I do most of my ministry? The YMCA in Anderson. I play basketball. I'm 48. I can still play an hour of full court basketball. Now, I might not be any good, but I can hurt some kids. Because I, I play like Carl Malone, if anybody knows what I'm talking about. I go to the gym. There's a lot of lost people at the gym. There are a lot of people that grew up in church and don't believe it anymore. And you know what I get to do? I get to talk to them. I get to share the gospel with them. There's a steam room and a sauna in the gym. And I love going in the steam room because I'm 48 and I hurt. And the steam room helps me. And guys will come in there and, and they can't see me because it's steamy and we'll start talking. I bring up Jesus. It's also in the dry sauna. It gets up to 189 degrees in there. That's a great place to talk about hell and judgment and eternity. <laughs> Just to bring it up as, you know, you might wanna think about this. Hey, let me just ask you this question, man. If God picked the shepherds, the least and the last, the last and the least, the least likely people to ever take the message of the gospel and evangelize people, you do realize that some of the first people that ever got to meet Jesus, if you wanna get real technical about it biblically, the shepherds were the first evangelists that ever lived. They meet Jesus and they go tell everybody. They're the first ones in the whole story of the gospel. What can we learn from this? Well, Let's ask you a question, like, who, who are we missing that God could be using? Who are we missing that God could be using? When God looks at sinners, he doesn't automatically see the stain of their sin. He automatically sees the love he has for them. He automatically sees the potential they have in the kingdom. God doesn't miss out on people like that. God wants to use sinners because he doesn't have any other choice. Sinners are all he has to work with, me included. So, so who am I missing that God could be using? Hey, I have a brother who's a meth addict. And from day to day, I don't know if my brother is alive or dead. From day to day, I can't get in touch with him. He's homeless. And when I think about the least likely people that God could ever use, my own brother comes to mind first. In my mind, when I think about this sermon, I think the least and the last is my brother. And then I automatically think, Am I missing someone that God could be using? Because not just if my brother were to get saved, but when he gets saved, when he gets clean, no matter how long it takes and how many rehabs he has to go through, becoming a part of, of self-help groups and 12-step programs and, and recovery ministry, when he gets saved, he will be able to be used by God in spaces I could never even speak because I don't understand. When the shepherds left that, that scene where they worship Jesus, that little baby in a manger, and they go back and tell everybody what they have just seen, the Bible says the people they talked to believed them. People may not believe what you believe, New Hope. That's okay. Just be bold enough to tell them about Jesus in a way where they at least believe that you believe it. They may not automatically agree with everything I believe, but because I believe this is for everyone and the veil has been torn, because I believe that, I want the people I talk to to believe that I believe it because for a non-believer, that's usually enough. If they just see that you really believe what you're saying, that might be enough to unlock belief in Jesus in their hearts. 
So I wanna pray for us right now, but before I do, keep your eyes open for a second. Some of us need to respond. Hey, I know for me it's easy to get lazy and apathetic and it's easy to forget that I'm not called to work a job and make a salary. I'm called to be the hands and feet, the voice of Jesus in the world. This is for everyone. I have this great joy and responsibility. And so I don't know who God might be laying on your heart. I don't know what God might be telling you to do. But I think at first, just at the very least, he might be telling you, have eyes to see the last and the least because that's who I see and that's who I pick. Who around you would be the last or the least you would ever expect to God, God to use? Let's pray for them right now. Can you close your eyes and open your hearts with me? Every campus, every location, watching online. Just ask Jesus right now in your heart, give me eyes to see the last and the least and help me approach them with the gospel and the good news. And with your eyes closed and your hearts open, every campus online, Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus right now. Maybe right now you have felt like an outcast, an outsider. And you realize today you're not the last and the least. You're the one he loves the most because he died for you. And if that's you, I'm gonna ask you right now, pray to receive Christ right where you are. Just give him your life. Eyes closed, hearts open. I wanna pray with you right now. If you are ready to respond to the gospel to be saved, to nail it down, to know for sure that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior. Pray this to him right now. And the Bible says, if you call on the name of the Lord, Romans 10, 13, you will be saved. I wanna lead you in this prayer. Pray it in your heart. You're not praying it to me. You're praying it to Jesus because he's listening and he loves you. Just say this to him in your heart right now. Jesus, I need you. Please rescue me from my sin. I open my heart to you. I receive your grace. I believe in you. I repent of my sin. And I invite you into my heart. Save me right now, Jesus. I'm all yours. And I'm all in. Hey, with your eyes closed and your hearts open, nobody looking around at any campus, I'm gonna ask a quick question before we pray and we sing. If you just prayed that prayer to Jesus at your campus or even watching online, nobody's looking, Jesus is gonna see and that's what matters. Eyes closed, I'm gonna ask you, if you just prayed that prayer, would you just raise your hand straight up above your head right now? Even right here in this room, raise your hand straight up above your head. I want you to keep it up for a moment. I want you to keep your hand up for a moment. I can't see every campus, but I can see this room. And I, with eyes closed, I'm gonna count to stir up some faith. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. 15 people just, 16. 16 people just in this room. Okay, open your eyes. Every campus online. Before I pray and we worship, I wanna tell you, 16 people in this room just gave their lives to Christ, repenting of sin, nailing down their salvation for assurance. This is what the church is for, and this is for everyone. This message, this gospel. We look forward to helping you take your next step at every campus. I wanna pray, and then we're gonna celebrate 
a gospel and a kingdom that is for everyone. Jesus, thank you for what you have done in our midst today. Thank you for who you are and how you work. We give you honor and glory and praise as we now sing and worship you. You are worthy of all our praise. In Jesus' name we pray and we believe. Amen.